0: This interview was supported by an unrestricted educational grant from Beatrice. Beatrice had no role in the selection of the topics or the selection of the speakers and has not vetted or reviewed the content of any of the interviews. The views expressed by speakers are their own and may not necessarily represent the views of the IMS. Hello, I'm Dr. Marla Shapiro and I sit on the Board of Trustees at the International Menopause Society. Today we're going to be talking about a really important topic that touches so many of us. Um, we're going to talk about patients who are obese and overweight, menopause, and the relationship with cardiovascular risk. To help us plow through all the evidence and talk about this, I'm joined by Dr. John Stevenson. If you could introduce yourself to our health practitioners, that would be terrific.
1: Thank you. Yes, from Professor John Stevenson, um, the consultant, metabolic physician. At the Royal Brompton Hospital and uh, the National Heart and Lung Hospital and Institute, at Imperial College in London,
0: United Kingdom. So, we're going to focus today on menopausal and postmenopausal women. So, I, I first want to talk generally about the risks um, in these women who are overweight and in our postmenopausal years.
1: Yeah, I mean. There are a number of health issues that will arise from being overweight or obese. Um, The most important ones, of course, are cardiovascular disease and diabetes, which is the type two diabetes mellitus. And these will arise uh, as a result of being overweight or obese. And the problem is that being uh, overweight will have adverse effects on various cardiovascular risk factors, but in particular, it will have uh, ab- adverse effects on lipids and lipoproteins. It'll have adverse effects on glucose and insulin metabolism. It will have adverse effects on uh, blood pressure, and it will have adverse effects on blood clotting factors and mechanisms as well. So there's a whole load of, of different problems that will contribute to these conditions.
0: So many of us women will tell them uh, You know, the women that we see in practice will tell us that they're having trouble losing weight. And not only are they having trouble losing weight in the postmenopausal years, but much of the weight congregates in the middle of the so-called centripetal obesity. So that central adiposity that we see, we often talk about as that being an increased cardiovascular marker uh, for risk. How so?
1: Yeah, the the problem is that the central obesity or abdominal obesity, which is really a male pattern form of obesity, but it it reflects an increased risk, uh, an increased occurrence of visceral fat. And visceral fat distribution in the omentum is the important uh, fat distribution, because that fat is more metabolically active than the peripheral fat, but also... It, uh, the the venous drainage of that fat store is into the portal vein and so that you get increased free fatty acid fluxes coming from the fat tissue into the portal vein hitting the liver and this mm-hmm. is what causes various metabolic uh, abnormalities for example the the increased free fatty acid fluxes hitting the liver are going to increase the production of uh, LDL cholesterol, low density lipoprotein cholesterol, increase the production of triglycerides, increase the breakdown of HDL to so high density lipoprotein cholesterol. So LDL of course is the, the bad one, HDL we often regard as the good one. So these, these changes in lipids are going to be adverse. Uh, the free fatty acid fluxes would also tend to uh, increase uh, insulin resistance through various mechanisms, partly through interfering with the normal hepatic uptake and release of insulin, but they'll also have adverse effects on some of the clotting mechanisms uh, that are also pre- produced in the liver as well. So there's a whole host of factors that are, that are going to be influenced by the fact of having fat around, around the amentum the visceral fat, that's the important one.
0: So so now we add in the central obesity and all the concerns that you've just gone through, including the insulin resistance, and we add in menopause. So then how does menopause impact on all the existing risk factors that stand alone with overweight and obesity?
1: Well, the loss of a variant function, loss of estrogen at the menopause does lead to a lot of adverse metabolic changes so that you actually get adverse changes in lipids and lipoproteins. Again, it's the same sort of pattern, an increase in LDL cholesterol, a reduction in HDL cholesterol, an increase in triglycerides. You get uh, following the menopause, there is a steady increase in insulin resistance. Uh, and so that's very important indeed for the risk of both cardiovascular disease and, and of course of diabetes.
0: So now we add in the notion of menopausal hormonal therapy. So what's the effect of hormone therapy in general on these risk factors, adding estrogen back into the equation?
1: Yeah, the effect of giving postmenopausal estrogen is going to reverse a lot of those metabolic changes that I've just outlined, so that we know that estrogens will actually reduce LDL cholesterol levels They will increase HDL cholesterol levels, depending on the types of estrogens and the way they're given. And they will also have effects on triglycerides, but they have a lot of other effects as well. Um, Oestrogen will often improve insulin sensitivity. In other words, you're reducing insulin resistance. Uh, And we know, of course, that the use of postmenopausal hormone replacement therapy can be associated with a decreased incidence of type two diabetes. So -hmm. these things all fit very well together.
0: So now when we talk about estrogen, we do make the difference between dose and the root and the formulation. So let's first focus on estrogen before we move on to the progestogens. When we think about the different types of estrogens, transdermal, oral, um, estradiol, conjugated equine estrogen, is there a difference between types of estrogens and route of administrations?
1: Yeah, between the different types of estrogens, the main differences are seen in terms of glucose and insulin metabolism, where the conjugated equine estrogens uh, tend to be less uh, effective in improving uh, glucose and insulin metabolism compared with estradiol 17 beta. And there are also differences in terms of blood clotting, that we know that venous thromboembolism risk is higher with conjugated equine estrogens compared with estradiol-17 beta. So differences in types of estrogens. There are differences in types of routes of administration of the estrogens as well. So that giving transdermal estradiol will actually reduce triglyceride levels whereas giving oral estradiol or conjugated equine estrogens is actually going to increase triglycerides okay. all of the all of the routes of administration will reduce ldl but probably a little bit more effective if you give it orally than transdermally probably more effective given orally in terms of increasing hdl concentrations than transdermally and probably a little bit more effective in improving insulin resistance, if you give it orally or transdermally. But these are fairly small differences, and then you've got to weigh those against the bigger differences that we see in terms of blood clotting. And we know that venous thromboembolism is increased uh, with the administration of oral estrogens, And again, it depends to some extent on what type and particularly dose. Whereas with transdermal estradiol, given at normal doses, you don't get any increased risk of venous thromboembolism at all. So a big difference there.
0: Right. So you're really weighing the two together. Um, what about the progestogens in terms of the options that we have? And there quite a few different progestational agents. How does that impact?
1: So with the progestogens, the progestogens that are androgenic, the the nineteen nortestosterone derivatives, norgestrol, norethystrone. Uh, and this also includes uh, midroxyprogesterone medre- acetate, which actually yeah. does have androgenic effects as well. And these progestogens, when you add them to estrogen, will blunt some of the beneficial metabolic effects. So they will they will stop or limit the increase in HDL cholesterol, uh, for example, and they will also uh, limit the improvement in insulin sensitivity that you would normally see with estrogens. If you give non-androgenic progestogens, and the main ones we use are oral micronized progesterone or the very similar didrogesterone, those two progestogens do not have any of these adverse metabolic effects. And it's interesting that in terms of venous thromboembolism, in terms of oral combinations, the only one that we've shown to not increase the risk of venous thromboembolism is a combination of estradiol and didrogesterone. We just don't have enough data as yet with with the micronized oral progesterone.
0: Well, clearly interesting, clearly being overweight or obese and menopausal is going to really get you to think about the specific metabolic effects the specific therapies that we can use. Thank you so much for joining us today.